Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm Mike Calabrese, joined by Mike Ionello. You may know us from New Mexico State fame, because guess what? We've been riding the Pavia experience. You can call it a Ponzi scheme. You can call it whatever you want, but you're going to call them Conference USA, regular season co-champs, whatever it is. There's no divisions. They're in. They're going to play Liberty for the Conference USA title belt. They got the biggest win in school history. They're riding as high as they've ever ridden. And we are just riding their coattails. I'm going to pass it to you first. This has been it's been a pretty exciting season to start in August saying, you know, this is our little clip that we found. Diego, Diego from Tory Lanes. Diego, Diego. We're going to play it. Hopefully the guy's pretty good. The guy's been pretty fucking good. All right. So at this point, I'm going to pass it to you because this guy has been just the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, we're not even mentioning that he had viral fame where he was like peeing on a New Mexico logo at one point, like. The guy is, as mentioned in one game this season, a little bit of Johnny Manziel. He's got a little bit of that flair, and he came up big in an SEC venue. So how fitting was it? I'm just going to pass you the ball now. What do you think? What a Saturday. If you're watching on YouTube, I was doing a victory lap in my room. Just brilliant. I mean, it could not have been better for us. It's between, you know, 
the the chirping Stucky because he continually loses all his money fading Pavia Ponzi. I'm with Diego because screw you. Dude, it was one of the best tires I've ever had. I didn't even take a money line. I wish I did. It was just there's something just about being right. And I think our our fans, our listeners are the best. We we do this every year. It started the first year we did this with Bailey Zappi, where we jump on these guys early and admit our bias and admit we just love these players and our fans rally with us and they ride them and you fall in love with these. That's, this is what this podcast is about is these little guys that nobody ever talks about. Everyone's talking about, you know, who's going to win the Heisman, Penix, Bowden. It's like, we don't care. Give me Diego Pavia and the people who listen to this podcast jump in with us. And it's so much fun. And the amount of tweets we get, you know, I still get tweets. I know you do too. Every time Zappy takes a snap in the NFL, you know, we had it last year a little bit with Jake Hayner. And now it's Pavia, where every time he does anything, all of our fans, like, he's like our son. And every, our whole, like, listeners treat him like that. It is the best. It is my favorite part of doing this podcast. Pavia forever. And basically piggybacking on that, what I love, too, is this is, like, the, the moment of the season when there's despair for the Texas A&Ms and the programs who are like, it's national championship or bust. It's like, that must be really shitty for you guys, yeah. where... You know, there's only one team that wins it at the end. And most of the time, it's either Nick Saban or Kirby Smart coached. And that's it. So to like to live your whole existence in that that window where it's like, if you make the playoff, great. If you don't, like the whole season's a disaster. Meanwhile, we got a team that very well could play in the Myrtle Beach Bowl that's having a blast. And we're having a blast following them. So with that in mind, I'm going to go for my G5 hero a little bit off of the target. I assume that everyone thinks I'm going with Pavia. I'm going with Jerry Kill the head coach in Mexico State. I can be your hero, baby. You can the way. I do not think that this guy gets his flowers to the degree that he deserves. He's been coaching in college football for 38 years. And when you look at what he's done, all he does is win. He goes to Southern Illinois, takes him to five straight Division I AA playoffs. They almost made it to the national title. They lose to Joe Flacco. That's how long ago it was at Delaware. Goes to Northern <laughs> Illinois, leads him to an undefeated regular season in the MAC, 10 wins in his final year. Then he goes to Minnesota. And if you include the year that he stepped out because of his health concerns, he would have taken them to four straight bowl games. That's winning big at Minnesota. And speaking of that, the fact is, I, I said that Pavia is a warrior. And I think, like, you know, that gets thrown around a little bit tongue in cheek. Jerry Kill's a warrior. Guy's a cancer survivor. He survived all these health concerns. He's with, literally you know, dressed for war on the sidelines. Yeah, I mean, th- this guy is the absolute best. And to take over a New Mexico State team that was getting heat where they're like, you should drop down to the FCS like Idaho did. You know, the Sun Belt said, you know, there's not a place for you anymore. That's what you guys should get, should do. Shout out to both Jerry Kill and also the Board of Regents out there in the Land of Enchantment because they're like, we're not even considering dropping to FCS. He's going to get this turned around. He comes into a program that was on an eight and 30 run, and now they've won 16 of their last 21 games. They got a chance for a conference title and double-digit wins for the first time since 1960. I had to look this up. You know what conference they were playing in? The Border Conference, which apparently included Arizona, Arizona State, Texas Tech, UTEP, something called West Texas A&M. To be honest, with all this realignment crap, I I actually kind of like that conference, that they could throw that back together. But Jerry Kill's my G5 hero here from Week 12 because he's done – a phenomenal job. He should be getting coach of the year buzz. Like 
you can roll a lot of, you know, jabronis out and they can probably win 11 games with Georgia's roster or Ohio State's roster. I mean, they already got one of those in Columbus trying to do his best to screw up every big game. Jerry Kill winning this many games with this roster is phenomenal. He's my G5 hero of the week. I love it. For my G5 hero of the week, I'm going with, it's kind of half last week. It's half G5 hero of the week and half a little bit of a lifetime achievement award. Let's give some love to Dr. Frank Harris. Had his senior night, senior citizen night. He's like 40 years old. (laughs) Don't make sense. He probably got his AARP card when he graduated. Just a monster performance in a 49-21 win over South Florida. And now UTSA plays Tulane. And the winner of that goes to the AAC title game, most likely to play SMU. We'll probably talk about that game later. But what a performance on Friday night. Three touchdowns passing, three touchdowns rushing, 500 total yards of offense. Broke his own school record for total yards in a game. 52 career starts he's played in college. Over 11,000 passing yards. 120 total touchdowns. He is top 20 in all-time college football history with 13,781 career total yards accounted for. We love him on this pod. We've been talking about him for three years. He's been around forever. Dr. Frank Harris, G5, Hero of the Week, and kind of a Lifetime Achievement Award as well. What a career. Frank Harris is a guy who, by the way, we used to talk about our first year doing the show as like a legitimate liability for the team. We're like, he went from, hey, if they just, if Frank Harris can just protect the football, UTSA has a chance to be good. He went from a liability to an asset to an MVP, to one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. So shout out Frank Harris. Love Harris. Love the number zero on him. Just love the whole aesthetic. And, you know, he's a doctor, so he healed his own foot. You know, he he had some injury problems at the beginning of the year. He put it all together. So, yes, I, I can't wait to talk about that game more as we go on. By the way, before we jump out of the G5 Hero segment, I just have like a quick rant. The Broyles Award, I, I reference it a lot when coaches sure. are moving around in the coaching carousel in the offseason. They released their semifinalist list. So I'm like, I, I'm kind of into the award. I'm like excited to see it. And I'm just looking down and I'm like, oh, there's a James Madison coach. Okay, great. And then there's no other G5 coach. I just don't get it with these awards. How is Brennan, how is Brennan Marion not on that list? Well, first of all, Brennan Marion absolutely should be on there. Bill Brecken, the DC from Miami of Ohio, with no offense, basically just putting the whole team on his back to get them, you know, so many wins this year. An incredible job. Casey Woods at SMU, offensive coordinator. Willie Corn at Liberty. But it, this is more for me, just you know, defending the G5's honor because if you're going to put any of those guys on, you got to kick somebody out. Like who are we going to kick out? How about Tommy Reese? That USF game, should, I mean, he should have lost his job in the parking lot. And, oh, no, he's the, the co- assistant coach of the year. And, and Pete Kwiatkowski from Texas, I actually like the guy's defensive coordinator. But just go ahead and, and flash their defensive stats against the pass. It's mid. And then the game of the year against Oklahoma, chance to go to the college football playoff, run the table. He lets Dylan Gabriel go 75 yards in a minute to win the game. Like, that's on you. You're the defensive coordinator. And he's the assistant coach of the year. So, you know, this is bullshit. And I've had it. There's like five or six G5 coaches who are assistants who should deserve to be on this list. We just rattled them all off. Brennan Marion would be my pick at the very least. I think this guy's going to get another job. So I just wanted to go on a quick rant. What do you think about this? Dude, I was thinking, I looked at the list. I'm like, how is, you know, Marion especially? I'm like, but there's some, you mentioned, there's so many guys you can name. I'm already pre-mad. If if Sharon Moore, that scumbag, wins this award, I'm going to burn someone's house to the ground. Granted, a little biased. It should be Manny Diaz because what he's done with that defense is nothing short of remarkable. But 
I digress there. My Penn State bias should be Manny Diaz should win it. But I already know Shrum Moore is going to win it, and I'm going to be furious. Because Josh Gaddis won a few years ago, and that offense was terrible. So I'm already pretty mad about that. But I agree with you. It just – all the awards. I was looking at the um, the Blintikoff Award. Had Same thing. Like 12 finalists. It's like uh, Lejante Webster from FAU leads the country in receiving uh, – in catches. He's not even the top – there's like 10 finalists. Lacey from South Alabama. You have – I mean, there's uh, countless guys. None of them made the shortlist for the Blintikoff Award. Like – it's it's a joke how they just continue to distract the G five. Well, now that I have the frustration out. I can get you know Mary. I can get into the holiday season because the holiday season is right around the corner. And it's about to get very busy, not just for bowl season with Ionello and myself, but really for everyone. And don't let that stop you from sticking to your habits and being the best version of yourself. That's where our friends at Caldera Lab come in. One minute in the morning, one minute at night can be all the difference you need for clearer skin. These guys are the best in the skincare game with an easy routine. Keep your face looking fresh no matter your schedule. It's just three easy steps. The clean slate, which is a face wash to start and end your day. The base layer, which is a daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin. And the good, which is an eye serum you can put on at night to help your skin look tighter and smoother. Plus, what's better than doing something for yourself? You can give it as a gift. So join the 100,000 men who, who trust Caldera Lab to show your very best this holiday season. Give it as a gift. Get it for yourself. And, you know, this is the best part. For our listeners, we have an exclusive deal. Use code BBOC at CalderaLab.com for 20% off right now. That's 20% off with code BBOC at CalderaLab.com. Make unforgettable first impressions with Caldera Lab. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. All right, on to week 13. I say that's, you know, it's a little bit bittersweet. We're here at the end of the regular season road, but we still got some really interesting plays. I, I like a lot of these on the card. I think they're situational, and I'm also riding with teams that we've been in love with for the entire season. So it feels good to go out dancing with, you know, the date that brung us. James Madison, laying nine. This could be the last game of the season for the Dukes. You know, there's going to be some back and forth. Are there enough six and six teams? If they're a five and seven team, you know, they're at the front of that list as an 11 and one potential team. I expect max effort from the Dukes. Listen, they had a heartbreaker. College game days there. I think they were kind of in a funk for the first half. They almost pull off the incredible final drive where... Um, McLeod is connecting on like a fourth and 20 and then they score the touchdown and they get the two-point conversion they lose in overtime I get it heartbreaker here comes the coastal defense trying to to mend their broken hearts 119th in success rate against the run 170 yards per game on the ground so I think it's going to be easy for the Dukes to move it 
Coastal plays a bend but don't break D, their top 35 in red zone defense. What's interesting is James Madison is actually below average in the red zone, but they make up for it by being really explosive. The 24th in, in pass plays of 30 yards or more this season. So I see them hitting some big ones. And then the big headline here, talk about like, this is almost like the senior night episode for, for the uh, group of five deep dive. We're talking about all the players we love. Grayson McCall, I don't want you to be lost to history. He's doubtful in this game with a concussion. It sounds like it was really serious. I think he was in a dark place physically and mentally after getting this concussion. His coach said that he's doubtful for this one. So that means we're going to get Guest or Vasco. And they've been fine. But here's the thing. They played five straight lousy defenses. They played Arkansas State. Marshall is really the best one in the mix, but they give up explosive plays at like a crazy rate. Old Dominion, Texas State, Army. I, I don't know. I think this is fool's gold, you know, banking on Guest or Vasco to keep up in a shootout. And you look at what James Madison does the best in the Sun Belt, it's get after the quarterback. So I think a win here makes them the de facto, you know, SBC East champs. So I think it still matters to them. I still see them getting up for this game that could be the last of the season. So I'll go ahead and lay the Dukes under the key number of 10. What are your thoughts on James Madison potentially bouncing back from their first loss of the season? Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's a weird spot because on one hand, I agree with you where that App State loss almost seemed kind of obvious to be coming. It, it was such a high-pressure situation with game day there and everything. It was awesome seeing that. That fan base is so, so awesome. My only concern is just, you know, you have the coastal chance to go to the Sun Belt Championship revenge spot as well from last year. kind of makes me a little nervous, but I agree with you. I think on paper, if you just take all the circumstances james, james madison should be 10 points better than coastal i don't think coastal is very good especially without mccall still hey, don't could trust you just give me 20 seconds on coach tim beck just you know your thoughts on him yeah, he's a he's a clown and he's going against <laughs> one of the best events in the country so i yeah i'm i definitely agree with you on that front uh speaking of you know circumstances and stuff i, I do before i jump in real quick uh grab your pen and paper everybody because this obviously is a big week to try to especially in the g5 more than ever I think it's more valuable than the Power Five. Look at how what teams have five wins. Because for the G5, a bowl game still means something. You don't see opt-outs. Going to the Myrtle Beach Bowl means everything to these teams. Yeah, you know, a Big, Te- Big Ten school making a bowl is kind of a disappointment if it's not like a G- G5 uh, or New Year's Six Bowl, I mean. So pen and paper, Navy, South Florida, Rice, Northern Illinois, Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Utah State, Colorado State, Old Dominion, Marshall, Louisiana. Those are the five win teams. We may talk about some of them, but keep those in mind when you're making your bets. Speaking of that, my best bet, South Florida, minus five and a half. South Florida sitting out five wins. Also love that for a first-year team. This is the first season with Alex Golish. He's got him on a chance to go to a bowl, which, again, means something. Because teams don't usually quit on first-year coaches. So these guys are still inspired. They want to reach a bowl in their first year with him. As I mentioned last uh, week with South Florida, you know, they got trucked by UTSA last week. I talked about him last week, but Charlotte just does not have the offense that the Roadrunners do. The Bulls have lost this year to Western Kentucky, Alabama, UAB, FAU, Memphis, UTSA. All have a ton of talented offensive skill players. Charlotte does not. <laughs> They're 129th in the country in success rate on offense, 128th at finishing drives. They average just 17 points per game. They scored seven points last week against Rice. Quarterback Jalen Jones is hurt. Trexler Ivy has started the last three games. He has four touchdowns, eight picks this year. Ivy does not have the rushing upside that Jones does, and that's basically been their entire offense, is Jalen Jones breaking big runs. He's their leading rusher on the year. Now, Charlotte has been pretty good on defense. 
on like a down and down basis, but they're vulnerable giving up big plays. South Florida's 28th in explosiveness. That's what they do well. So I expect Byron Brown, Naquan Wright, Sean Atkins, Naeem Simmons to be able to pick up enough big plays on this offense against against the 49ers defense. And I don't think Charlotte has the horses to keep up with them. They need a bowl game. Give me South Florida minus five and a half. I think they win this by over a touchdown. Yeah, just in terms of entertainment for a team to exceed expectations from the preseason, USF's like at the top of my list. Like they became a fun offense. They became a team that was interesting to play and, you know, team total overs or just overs in general. And I would love it if they could get to a bowl game and use that as a springboard to next year to kind of being in the mix, certainly in the top half of the AAC, if not kind of being a dark horse, you know, with their improved quarterback play and skill positions. Also, look at look at what Tennessee's offense was this year without Golish as their offensive coordinator. They took a massive step back. So I think that proves kind of that's a double proof of like how valuable he is, especially on offense. BBOC is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get a $1,500, you know, pick back in terms of bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we now turn to our G5 High Five, our round robin here in week 13. The G5 High Five. Should we high five? High five! We're going to give you five picks. You can put them all together any way, shape, or form you see fit. By twos, by threes, a five-leg parlay, four-leg parlay, whatever you want to do. I'll get it started here. And I mentioned at the top, we're going to go with the teams that we believe in. And it also means fading the teams we don't believe in. So North Texas laying three against UAB. UAB's defense is still the worst. They are bottom five in scoring defense, in yards per carry allowed, and success rate. The Eagles offense, on the other side of things, third in explosiveness, fourth in rushing PPA. As Ionello always likes to point out, I'll give him the opportunity to list off the running back room. They are deep. They got runners. They're going to run through this Blazer defense like a hot knife through butter. And when they're not running the ball, Chandler Rogers, touchdown to interception ratio in the year, 26 to 4. They're, he's just running this offense at just insanely high levels vis-a-vis the preseason expectations. I know they brought in Eric Morris. It was a new situation, you know, offensively, and hopefully get a bump. They've exceeded all those expectations. Last week against Tulsa, one of the worst teams in the conference, he goes for 294 and three TDs as a rushing touchdown on the ground. I just view this as only laying three in a potential shootout. That's going to put a lot of pressure on UAB to score high 30s, 40s in this game. I think, if anything, there's been evidence in the last month, six weeks, watching a lot of UAB football. They can play at a high end, a high level but they still go through these lulls and they just can't against the North Texas team that I think is much better offensively, more sound. and can beat you on the ground or through the air. I like Chandler Rogers a lot. I'm going to lay the three here with the meat and green. What are your thoughts on the final edition of the fade Dilfer experience? Yeah. You know, as I mentioned last week, North Texas had just a brutal stretch where they played the four best teams in the conference all in a row. So yeah, they didn't look great and they lost those four games, but I just think their offense is really, really improved. They're balanced and UAB's 0-5 on the road this season. So I think you mentioned it, there's it's two good offenses. North Texas defense is 130th. Well, UAB's is 131st. So give the edge to North Texas. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know much about 
North Texas as head coach. But neither of these teams are going to a bowl. And I imagine one team is a lot more excited to get some time away from their head coach than the other. <laughs> there it is. All right. What do you got for your round robin contrib- contribution here in week 13? I'm going with another one of those teams that needs a win to reach a bowl game. Give me Old Dominion. Minus two and a half against Georgia State. Look, the Panthers are an absolute free fall, and I'm piling on here. They were heading to the conference title game. They were on a they were crash course to the conference championship game, and then they lost four games in a row. Yeah, you know, LSU just pounded them. I'm not taking a ton away from that, but they lost forty two to fourteen in the previous two games to James Madison and App State. Both beat them forty two fourteen. Both of them put up over 500 yards of offense. This defense has fallen off a cliff. They're 109th in the country in success rate. They're also 100th at preventing explosiveness, and they're terrible at defending the pass. And Old Dominion is 22nd in the country in creating big plays. Ricky Ronnie is very good at scheming up explosives. Grant Wilson has done a really good job protecting the football recently. He's got one pick in his last six games. They have two running backs in Kadarius Callaway and Keyshawn Wicks who are averaging 7.6 and 5.1 yards per carry, respectively. They are two home run hitters. Old Dominion has gone over their win total. They've been much better than people expected this year under Enrique Ronnie's third season. And now they have a chance to go to their first bowl game under Ronnie against a team that has had their seemingly promising season completely slip away. They just had the Heisman Trophy winner flex all over them. I think Old Dominion is a lot more motivated here. I'll take the Monarchs. I think this is a very good spot to back a five-win team in this final week. Yeah, it's, it's been a, almost a full season without Ryan with the Monarchs, the ODU experience, so I'm glad to hear their name mentioned again. And I do think we missed out. I think it was clear after you yeah. know, the first few games of the season that they were not only competitive, but on the offensive side of the ball, they're really interesting and to, to pair them up against a team that – I agree. It's kind of like white flag time for them. All those preseason goals, everything written up on the the whiteboard, all the talking points of the coaching staff, like it's kind of out the window. Where Old Dominion, everything's in front of them, an opportunity to you know keep marching. I'm glad that you opened up you know a segment talking about all the teams that could get bowl eligible because I'm going to hit on one of them. Colorado State laying six on the Big Islands, bowl eligibility on the table for the Rams. Braden Fowler, Nicolosi. Listen, he's wait, on. Wait before you get into this. I just want to quick, we both were on it, but you did lead the charge. We did cash the win total over, which was probably the one we pounded the table the most at the start of the year. That was your best bet. That was your number one win total over. I was on it with you. I think both of us had probably our most financial investment in that game. So I just want to give you a quick shout out for cashing that over. Hopefully everyone rode that with us from the preseason pods. Continue. I appreciate that because sitting at five and six, it could have been a really big season for the Rams. Like, I, I still feel like there was meat on the bone. They should have beat Colorado. They blew an 11-point fourth-quarter lead. They lose on a walk-off to a UNLV team that is, you know, arguably on their best run since Randall Cunningham was the quarterback. Like, they lose on a walk-off kick at the buzzer. So, they're 5-6. and six. They could easily have two more wins added up there and be 7-4. and four. But they're not. Here they are needing a win against Hawaii. And luckily, Hawaii's defense is just awful through and through. They haven't forced quarterbacks into interceptions, which is the key when betting on Braden Fowler and Nicolosi because he can't turn the ball over a lot. They're 107th in interception rate as a defense. And he's actually done a pretty good job in the last couple of weeks taking care of the football. Just two picks in his last two games. And what's interesting is we did such a deep dive on Colorado State. I really thought there was no stone left unturned in terms of their personnel. 
But all of a sudden, this freshman, Justin Marshall, comes out of nowhere. I'm like, if you go to his ESPN page, he doesn't even have a picture. Everyone else on the roster has a picture. He has 37 carries for 217 yards in the last two games up against Hawaii defense that's bottom 20 in the FBS. And what's the only thing that's a little bit scary, but not in terms of the point spread, in terms of Colorado losing outright, Hawaii's been crazy boomer bust on the island. Boom, they upset Pavia at home in New Mexico State. Boom, they upset Air Force. Like, those are some really nice wins. But then they lose to San Diego State, and they give up 41 points to that offense, which is like giving up 80 to a regular offense. And then they get blanked by San Jose State, 35 nothing, And they're coming off last weekend, destroyed on the mainland, 42-9 to to Wyoming. No bowl for them. They're sitting at four and eight. They get to play 13 games. Um, I'm just, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see them being able to string together enough defensively to keep this game in the 20s, which is where they need to be to win and to cover. I think Colorado State's going to score 31 plus and get that win to get to six. So I'm on the Rams, the Jay Norvell experience one more time. Hopefully you can take me to the window again. All right. For my next pick of the G5 High Five, I mentioned it. Let's call the good doctor. Give me UTSA plus three against Tulane. Massive game here. Now, if you do follow us in the Action Network, I don't know that I'll actually bet this because I have UTSA future to win the conference. So I don't I don't really want to double down. I also have SMU, so I kind of need them to play each other. So I probably won't double down on it, but I do think they, they get there. So I'm pretty confident in that that pick ride. And something about Tulane just has not looked right to me all season. Like we haven't really talked about them at all, other than betting against them. You, you, I think you bet on them once. I don't even. I don't think they covered that game. And we, I've like, I've t- I keep trying to watch them and figure out what it is because it's like they look fine, they look good. It's just like not good enough. If that makes sense. Which is weird to say about a team that's ten and one, but they're just four and seven against the spread. To their credit, their only two covers in conference play were Memphis and FAU, which are the two best teams they faced. So maybe it's a case of just playing with their food, playing down a competition, but that still doesn't make me feel great about him. Michael Pratt's fantastic. He's He's been fantastic all year. They have good receivers, although Lawrence Keyes didn't play last week, and Jaquan Jackson has missed the last two games, and those are their two best receivers. Again, are they saving him for this game? Who knows, but it's something to note. Uh, and that's huge because the Green Wave don't run the ball at all. They don't run the ball well. Makai Hughes has like good numbers. He's I think he's had a thousand yards in the year, but they're 107th in success rate, 109th in explosiveness on the ground, which is what won them the conference last year with Tajay Spears. The defense lost so much talent from last year's team. They're still pretty good against the run, actually, which I'm kind of surprised with, but they have been really good against the run. But they're just they struggle against the pass. Teams are completing completing 66% of the, their passes against Tulane. That's the worst in the conference. And there is some bad defenses in the American. So for teams to be completing more passes on Tulane than any other team in the conference, especially considering the schedule they've played, that's not good. And then now you're bringing in Dr. Frank Harris, 28th in country and success right through the air. Josh, we talk, talked about him, you know, Joshua Cephas last week too. He just became the school's all-time leading receiver. He's got nine touchdowns this year. They don't run the ball great either, but they're at least explosive on the ground. Uh, Kevorian Barnes was active last week. He he like didn't play at all. He got like three snaps and didn't have a carry. I don't know if it was because it was a blowout, but he'd been hurt the week before. So I'm hoping that basically just gave him another week to recover because he didn't really do anything. Um, UTSA's defense has been really good. They've been really strong, especially against the pass. So I think they'll be able to keep Pratt in check. The secondary is outstanding. Rashad Wisdom, we've talked about him for a while too. He's the quarterback of this defense. He's one of the best safeties in the country. He's a tackling machine. 
have two stud corners. Cam Alexander's fifth in the country and passes broken up. So I just think these are two really good teams. These are two pretty evenly matched teams. So I'll take the three. I, I just, something's off about Tulane. So I'm going to take UTSA here plus three. What's your take on their head coach potentially interviewing for other jobs? Like generally speaking, without knowing, well, timeline wise, it's unlikely that he's going to resign and take another job right here in week 13. If that happens, it'll probably be a cloud that'll be over the conference championship game or a bowl game. But it's clear that there's like smoke that maybe A&M is interested in him, or at least he's, you know, a fallback candidate. Like, do you put any stock in that in terms of it being a distraction? Because sometimes teams will just play angry or like, you know, you can never really put too much into this like you look at michigan with the jim harbaugh situation all of a sudden it's galvanizing for them and they're rallying around it like some people may view it as the coach is abandoning us at this point like you know he's been with us for all these years and really built up the utsa program like do you put any stock in it or does it make it more so like a stay away how do you view this so i do actually and i i actually thought about that while i was doing my handicap what kept me on utsa I think Willie Fritz is doing the same thing because I agree with you is Texas A&M's probably calling Jeff Trailer, but Mississippi State's probably calling Willie Fritz. And if they're not, they're stupid. So I think, I think that kind of balances out where yeah. I think there's a good chance neither of these coaches are here next year. So that's kind of what got me away from it is I, I think there's a chance they're both taking phone calls. So that kind of cancels out for me. All right. I'm going to wrap up the high five here with a team that I promised would win out they started one and five here they are with five straight wins can they make it six san jose state plus three against unlv i'm not going to try to get into it because i did a little bit of reading there's some stuff behind paywalls but i was you know being crafty trying to screenshot things and put it in reader mode to figure out what are the actual tiebreakers in the mountain west conference because apparently the way it's been described to me it's some kind of old school bcs computer ranking but what we know for sure is that San Jose State, if they win, they have a chance. So they're clearly going to play. UNLV can lock up a chance if they win. So I think you're going to get full effort on both sides. But when I look at the Spartans, the reason that I was calling my shot, you know, six weeks ago that they were going to win out is they have a really, really well-balanced offense. They're top 35 in rushing success rate. They're six in explosiveness on the ground. Their three-headed monster of Kyrie Robinson, Conley, Cordero has 27 rushing touchdowns between the three of them. And Cordero, we made a lot of jokes when he transferred out of Hawaii because he left a lot to be desired as a quarterback. He was not exactly the sexiest transfer portal get for the Spartans. He's protected the football really well this season. Only four INTs. And when you're a run, you know, team as an identity, not necessarily in terms of the, you know, the mix between run and pass, but like when they're winning, they're running the ball. He's doing such a good job protecting it. They get nine players, by the way, when he puts the ball in orbit, that have 10 receptions or more. So he's spreading it out, not giving the defense anyone to focus in on, you know, in particular. And their defense was, as we discussed, you know, they played USC, they played Oregon State, they played Air Force, they were in trash. They were an abomination. They're now a top 30 defense against the pass. So I like, talk about a turnaround. They're still horrific against the run, which is really the handicap in this game. They got to get the lead and they got to take the run out of the go-go offense for Brennan Marion, because if they can run it and have that balance, UNLV clearly has the advantage. But if they're playing from behind and they got to throw, 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 San Jose State, you know, has really put it together. I like, you know, how much they've improved. And that's kind of like what you're looking for at this time of year. Like, is a team surging? 
UNLV's had a great year, but I just wonder if their defense has anything left in the tank here. They just played Air Force, and I know like the body blow theory can be overblown a little bit, but they got beat up in that game. They gave up 344 yards on the ground. They had a goal line stand when it mattered. But like emotionally, physically, are they ready to go up against a red-hot San Jose State offense? I'm willing to take the points here. I'll go Spartans plus three. Yeah, speaking of you know your Colorado State, I was banging the San Jose State draw. I have, I have them to win the conference. So I'm, I've already been trying to figure out, like you said, I'm like, I feel like the Charlie Kelly gift trying to connect the dots. I know Stucky has a great article on the Action Network with all scenarios. So obviously, yeah, UNLV wins their end. San Jose State wins, then it's like there's a three-way tie with UNLV, San Jose State, and then the winner of Air Force, Boise. That's the way correct. that Stucky re- reads it may seem like Boise would have the upper hand in that spot, but if it's San Jose State, UNLV, and Air Force tied, then it may be UNLV and San Jose State, but I don't know what would cause that, so I have, like I said, I have to read it. Uh, so I'm rooting for whatever situation that happens for my San Jose State ticket. So I hope they win. I hope they cover it, and I hope they win because I hope I can cash that ticket. Speaking of tickets, we have one last regular season money line underdog parlay. And I'm going to keep it simple here. We were just like combing through INL and I this slate. And there were so many games with teams that either clearly quit or didn't have somebody to play for. Even our boy, you know, Diego Pavi, it's like, I'd love to bet him one more time here in the regular season. But if there was ever a time to sit people, it would be against Jacksonville State. And the fact that they're only a two-point favorite in that game, I think oddsmakers are telling you everything you need to know. That's a stay away for me in that spot. So I'm just going to take that San Jose State play. I'm going to play him plus the points. I'm going to play him at plus 135 to win outright. I believed in this team. I just laid out all the reasons why. So I'll get the underdog parlay started at plus 135. Are you going with a small one? Are you going swing for the fences here? What are we pairing up here in week 13? Probably, you mentioned how it was hard this week. I was looking through it. I'm just double checking right now. I think only one five-win team is an underdog, which made it hard to like, all right, take yeah. the needs to win. And it's Central Michigan, 10.5-point dog against Toledo. Like, you know, they probably cover that, but I'm, I, it's not necessarily a team I'm looking to – I guess Navy against SMU too, but, uh, again, I'm not – they're a 20-point dog. I'm really not trying to bet that. SMU still has to win to make the conference title game. So, yep, I'm, I'm doing the same thing with you. I know it's boring, but give me UTSA, meet me. I think they get it done on the field. I think there's a chance they're just a better team than Tulane. It's hard to kind of compare these two because they haven't played each other. You know, UTSA's first year in the American. But I went and I pulled. They have played five common opponents in conference play this year. And what helps is they played five bad teams. So for what should be the two best teams in the conference, you'd want them to kind of crush them all, right? UAB. Tulane beat them by 12. UTSA by 21. North Texas. Tulane by 7. UTSA by 8. Rice, Tulane 2, UTSA 20. ECU, Tulane 3, UTSA 14. FAU, Tulane 16, UTSA 26. UTSA beat every single common opponent by more, and most of them significantly more. Especially, I mean, the Tulane beating Rice and ECU by five combined points is bad. So that's kind of the only sample size we have to compare them. I mean, it's not a perfect system in science, but when they play the same teams, UTSA is won by more. So. I'm taking a money line here. I think they win the game. I think they're the better team. Meet me. And everything's on the line because I still think the American champ is going to get the New Year's Six Bowl game because obviously Diego, New Mexico State, and Jerry Kill, that wagon's going to run right over Liberty in the title game of Conference USA. There's still room. They got an SEC win now. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, The speaking of like smoke and coaching rumors, Jamie Chadwell is going to be fighting off <laughs> job offers left and right in the next two weeks. Like the fact is he comes, you know, ports his coaching staff over from Liberty or from Coastal Carolina, I should say. There was questions about do they have a quarterback at all? He turned Salter into one of the best statistical quarterbacks in the entire country. Their running game is incredible. Everybody wants to hire a coach from just the perception and the optics that can turn an offense around right away. You can build faith in you know a fan base by having a fun offense, even if they go six and six in year one of a rebuild, something like that. So I think there's a good chance that he either has to be fending off huge five, six, eight million dollar per year contract offers, or that he's just out the door and they have an interim coach in that spot. So that that's my last little bonus bet. Don't take New Mexico State against Jacksonville State Lane two. Go find the money line, hit it against the Flames. Uh, I don't have a bonus bet. I have a bonus note because you were talking about the jet, the you know the um, trailer and really Fritz and the coaches interviewing and stuff, and stuff like that. And this is just this is all motivation week, rivalry week, everything. I had one similar spot where I wrote it down, started to do my research and dig in, and just said, you know what? Nope, I can't. I can't do it. I can't touch it because the vibes just don't mesh with me. I really want to take Fresno State minus five and a half, minus five against San Diego State. I think they are a significantly better team. Mikey Keene is back. I think this offense shreds the San Diego State defense. But with Brady Hoke retiring, it scares the shit out of me because I just have visions of them carrying him off the field like Fat Rudy. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's just, they, it, it's his, like, they are going to play balls to the wall for him retiring. It's in, it's in San Diego. I just like have such a vision of like them carrying him off the field that I'm like, I can't, I can't bet the Bulldogs here. Any other week I'm laying five with the Bulldogs every day of the week, but I just, I can't do it this week because I'm just like so nervous that that's going to happen. I like the juxtaposition to, you know, touchdown Jesus looking over Notre Dame stadium and the tradition and the four horsemen and all the Heisman trophy winners and national titles and, you know, famous head coaches and then on the other side, we have Snapdragon Stadium in all of its glory in what year two of the stadium and Brady Hoke, you know, with a little mustard stain from the hot dog on his <laughs> you know, university sanctioned and sponsored polo. Yeah, I, I agree. I think sometimes you have to take those things into account. It doesn't mean that you're betting the other side. It just means like the vibes are off. There's plenty of games to bet, particularly this time of year. I'm going to be giving out college basketball picks on these these pods very soon so there's there's basketball to be bet as well like you don't have to you know shoot every single bullet on college football and some of these games are truly unknowable with bowl eligibility out the window for some teams like you know i think we're going through the slate the one mac game that had my attention a little bit involved kent state and i'm like what am i what am i doing like who knows if kent state's going to play at all against northern illinois and northern illinois can get to bowl eligibility but do they really care to win by three touchdowns or not? I have no idea. Like, let, let's just be honest. Let's just call it what it is. Like, so many of these are motivational. Do you want to break next or not? And I think in some cases, it's just best to keep that money on the sideline. Oh, that's so. the one. It's like Eastern Michigan's yeah, has five wins. They're catching six and a half against a Buffalo team that sucks. I'll probably bet it because it's on a Tuesday. But I was just like, do I really want to bet Eastern Michigan? I probably will. For Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive under the BBOC banner. A reminder on the programming fronts, 
It's an early week. If you're listening to this, it's a day early. You're also going to get Stucky and Collins full card a day early. So you can go into Turkey Day knowing exactly what you're going to bet on the college football menu. And there's so much between Thursday and Friday. So you want to make sure you listen into that, be able to build up your parlays. He's going to give you the trash man picks. Although I think his trash uniform should be revoked at this point. I do not think that you can go against the greatest trash betting story in history and still be a trash man. But that's not up to me. That's a crash to us. Crap. And then, of course, BBOC Live on Saturday. McMurphy, Colin, Stuck. I'll be in there with my G5 pick of the week as well. Give you all the last-minute little nuggets in terms of Darren Ravel's market report and his Fade Ravel segment as well. Giving you the injuries, the line movement, steam, all that good stuff. And then we'll have the recap show and the new BCS with Tim Kalinowski hosting next week. All right, that's it for us. Thank you so much for listening, Pavia Forever. Please know that we will have matching Pavia t-shirts the next time you see us and that we will be together finally to watch college football game for the Conference USA title game. So we'll be all fired up for championship week next week. Catch you later, guys. Happy Thanksgiving, gamblers. We're thankful for you. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.